0: Hello and welcome to the B2B Legion podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Levenbrand. i I'm the Managing Director of Bright Vision and also the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to develop strategic visual content that will drive the future communication with Amy Balliett, who's the CEO and founder of Killer Visual Strategies and an expert in this area. So I'm stoked to have you on the podcast. So welcome, Amy. We're so happy to have you here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here.
0: And so do I. I'm so interested to talk about visual communication, which you're obviously a big expert in and so forth. But I also know that you're running an agency focused in this area, uh, Killer Visual Strategies. So maybe you can just give us the, the short version of who you are and what you've been up to and how you became an expert in, in visual strategies, basically.
1: Definitely. Um, you know, I have a, a typical back, millennial background where I kind of jumped around from job to job and career to career until I figured out what I wanted to do. Um, went to film school, then completely pivoted into marketing. And when I started Killer in 2010, I didn't even realize that I was kind of marrying my two favorite things, which is film and marketing, um, into an agency focused on visual storytelling and visual communication. Um, When we started Killer, it was called Killer Infographics and we were focused entirely on infographic design. But as the needs of our clients evolved, we started evolving our services. And we also just had such great talent um, working on our team that we knew we could evolve our services. So the first thing we um, started doing was interactive content for clients. Then we added on motion graphics for clients, which was my big thing that I loved to do. I did our first few motion graphics because it let me get back into animating, which was fun. Um, And then we just kept expanding and expanding. Um, and so as the company continued to grow, we started really focusing on a couple of things. First, our name commoditized us and kind of cheapened us. It was, wasn't the right descriptor. So we changed our name to Killer Visual Strategies. The other big thing we did was um, we knew that you know, as a niche agency that we wanted to bring so much more to our clients. Our clients really trust us with the work that we do for them. But the problem is, is we only focus on this niche of visual communication and visual strategy. So at the end of 2018, I sold the company to a roll-up of companies, basically a conglomerate of agencies that um, all bring different things to the table. We have a PR agency, a marketing agency, a branding agency, insights and research firms, and so on. And we're all combining together into one big agency called Material, So killer and the culture and the the methodology that will all remain, we're just becoming the visual strategy business unit of a 1400 person global firm now. And it's really exciting. It's kind of the next great chapter. It's led to some exceptionally exciting work for uh, myself and for my team. Um, And, you know, we get to really focus not just on, you know, kind of visual communication products, the end results, the infographics, the eBooks, kind of those final content deliverables. But now we get to come in at the beginning of conversations with clients, just as they're building their brand strategy. And we can start identifying what is their visual strategy for the next year, the next five years the next 10 years and so on. We can focus on the right visual languages based on different campaigns and different target audiences. So really identifying the illustration styles that connect with them in the best ways. Um, really identifying the iconography that's going to be the language of the brand going forward and how they're going to visualize data properly um, and building out their content strategy because content marketing that succeeds today is visual content marketing so that's really what we focus on for our clients now
0: awesome what a story and so interesting uh, to hear how that came about (laughs) And uh, yeah, so, so uh, visual communication strategy and all kind of works related to that to help companies come across with their content. So that's your theme, so to say, and that's so interesting. But yeah, it's, it's a hard part of marketing to, to make great visual communication. And uh, uh, so if we start there to dive into today's topic a little bit, how do you... Where, where do you start when you talk to clients about how to create a good visual communication strategy?
1: Start with the definition of visual communication. Um, we now uh, have kind of an industry standard definition. We put it out in the public in about 2013, and it's now been widely adopted as the definition of visual communication, which is um, we graphically represent information to efficiently and effectively create meaning when necessary. Very limited text is used to explicate the meaning. So I explain to clients what that really means. What that means is today's audiences have an average of a five-second attention span, but we actually form first impressions in just one-tenth of a second. And that is because our subconscious mind is taking in all of the visual information around us 60,000 times faster than any other form of information delivery to the brain. And as a result, we kind of have these quick subconscious responses to the content that we see. And if we like it, it moves up to our conscious brain. If we don't like it, we actually just ignore it entirely. And today, 94% of first impressions, which are the impressions that are formed in that one-tenth of a second, 94% are based entirely on design, and so we talk to our clients about these facts, these facts about how people take in information and how if visuals are what really drive information to audiences, whereas text can take actually about four to eight seconds for the brain to fully comprehend, we can't rely on leading with text anymore. We need to hook audiences with powerful visual content. Once they're hooked, they'll read, but we got to hook them first. And there's also an interesting stat that HubSpot put out, which says that 91% of audiences prefer visual content as their primary, secondary, and tertiary forms of information delivery. And basically what that means is you got to hit people with visual content three times before they enter your conversion funnel. Once they're in your conversion funnel, you still have to be feeding them visual content. It's just that once they're in that conversion funnel, you can pair that visual content with far more text-heavy content. At that point, you've gotten their attention. They're willing to dive in and start reading. But today, if you want to get their attention, you've got to lead with the visuals first. And often people think that means, you know, put some text on a stock photo. And there, I've, I've done it. I've led with a visual. But I I have a rule in my book. It's called avoid the stigma of stock. And and that's because custom illustration and custom authentic photography converts seven times better than stock imagery does today. We, We have very discerning eyes. We're all content creators today. We're all, you know expert photographers, thanks to Instagram. And as a result, we can sniff out stock photography from a mile away. Mm -hmm. And it makes us kind of feel like, you know, the brand is not putting much effort into this work. If we know what we can create with a simple iPhone and 10 minutes of our time and a couple of apps, we expect brands to do something far better than what we can do ourselves. And that is really what's driving this demand for visual content and visual communication so there's my you know five minute pitch to clients how i educate them and explain to them the value and nine nine times out of ten they get it right away and we start focusing on how to deliver that value
0: wow so interesting there's so many things i would like to <laughs> follow up but yeah it sounds very convincing that we need to have a uh, great visual communication in order to to get our target groups to enter the the lead funnels and, and as you say so the big question here is of course uh, how do you do that uh, and so forth and i know you you just referred to your latest book there are killer visual strategies engage any audience improve comprehension and get amazing results using visual communication I think that's a great, <laughs> great title. I would love to read it, but uh, haven't been able to do so. So can you just, you know, give us the, the big picture of where do we start, where, what should we focus on and, and how can we make engaging visual content? If, if I was a practicing marketeer at a company, you know, wh- how should I start thinking about this to make it happen?
1: Definitely. Um, All you have to do is, you know, jump to Amazon and look at the table of contents of my book because it's basically the roadmap. Um, The the fact is, is I break my book up in the same way I break my thinking up when it comes to this and and the way we approach it for clients. Um, Part one of the book really focuses on the brain science and the environmental drivers that have led to this demand for visual content. And the reason I think it's so important to know that first is because if you truly understand all those little instinctual aspects within us that have us connect with visual content and react to it so quickly, that helps you start to look at content differently. You can look at it with this lens of the brain science and and how different visuals might trigger that science. So that's step one, in my opinion. Truly take the time to understand those key motivators. Just like any marketer would when they're building out customer segments, they want to understand the motivators of their segments. But visual content, visual communication, the motivators are universal. They, they are the same for all of us globally, because we actually have a very innate brain science where our brain is prepackaged for this. We're, we're naturally inclined for visual communication. We're not naturally inclined to read. Um, it's readings, a learned behavior that took about 5,000 years to evolve to. Whereas, you know, we were painting on cave walls right from the beginning. That was our first form of communicating, telling stories was visual communication. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the first part. Wrap your head around the fact that, you know, this is exactly what how we're supposed to be communicating. We just make it harder on ourselves by communicating through text. Um, After doing that, then I jump into eight rules of visual communication. And that's where we really start unpacking things. I mean, if you can follow the eight rules, then you can look at any piece of content, judge that content against those rules, and keep tweaking and kind of iterating on that content until it achieves the rules. And then you have a good piece of visual content. Um, some of those rules include it's a con when there's too much text, um, you know, basically always think about the idea that if, if there's too much text within a piece of content, it's really not going to succeed. So I give a bunch of rules on or guidelines on how to break up text properly and, and what some uh, or what the max amount of words should be on a single page. Um, Another rule is all focused on how to choose the right fonts, how to choose the right color palettes. I have a rule about iconography that really dives into how to choose the right icons, what icons send different messages to people, um, rules about layout, um, and so on and so forth. It's, It's really just about how to dissect a piece of content and ensure that it's hitting all the right marks to trigger the subconscious brain. And then from there, the next part of the book and the final part is the process because you can't just focus on you know throwing out a whole bunch of content that is visual and hope that it works. There has to be a strategic process behind it. That process is not just a, a process of how to create the content, such as taking the time to properly research and then taking the time to wireframe out your design or storyboard a motion graphic taking the time to identify the right illustration style for the target audience and so on. But there's also a strategy on how to market it, how to get it out to your audience, how to invest in the right content. So it's it's really about kind of unpacking all three of those phases. And I will say, you know, one of the biggest tips I give to people is if you're in a position where you want to really adopt a visual strategy for your company or for your clients, consider the fact that one of the first investments that you do should be on a big piece of visual content, either a visually rich white paper that is, you know, 10 plus pages or a visually rich ebook or my favorite and the most successful piece of visual content out there, a 60 to 90 second motion graphic. If you invest in something like that first, the amount of artwork that goes into that content gives you so much to work with to create multiple derivatives of that content. You can take all of the artwork from a motion graphic and create an ebook with it. You can take that artwork and create multiple animated GIFs for social media You can break it up into static images for social media or stack the images to create an infographic. There's so many things you can do with that one investment. And so when you think about visual strategy, it's also about ensuring you return the right ROI, that you get a return on your investment. So invest in something big first, and then from that, create 20 pieces of related content because today's marketers have to use about 12 to 14 pieces of united content to accomplish singular goals. They need to be able to have content that works on all social networks, that also unites with the visual aesthetic of the content of the landing pages that they're sending people to, that also unites with the visual aesthetic of any gated content, that also unites with the visual aesthetic of the email marketing campaign that follows up with that audience. So if you have that one big piece of content, you can leverage it in so many ways and ensure that you have the same unified illustration style throughout every touch point that your audience is seeing.
0: Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. That's interesting, really interesting. And thank you for laying out those uh, steps. I think that could became very clear where to start and and how to proceed and also that we need to buy the book. (laughs) (laughs) So definitely, great. Uh, I think it's so interesting that you also talked about motion graphics, uh, since it relates to what trends of actual outputs or products, so to say, from a visual perspective, that we're producing today as marketeers and marketing departments. Do you see motion graphics as the biggest trend right now or where, where do you see the clients want to experiment or and want to invest in in terms of channels and, and uh, assets, so to say?
1: So clients want to experiment in the world of virtual reality and augmented reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to experimenting, clients are always focused on what's going to be the next big trend versus what is currently tried and true. And I would say a motion graphic is more of a tried and true solution. Mm-hmm. It has been trending for over a decade. Video's been trending for two decades. Mm -hmm. Um, But motion graphics specifically have really taken off as a proven method of increasing your conversion rates and your engagement. And the reason they're so proven is honestly because we like to be spoon fed information. Mm -hmm. If I had the the option of going through a long scroll infographic to get information about a brand or service, Or simply hitting play, sitting back and letting a narrator talk to me while I watch everything on screen unfold, I'm going to sit back and hit play any day of the week. It actually expels far less energy for the brain. And honestly, as much as we don't want to say that we're looking for the path of least resistance We are, we're inundated with information left and right. I have two screens in front of me right now. I have a screen behind me. I have my phone screen and my iPad all in one room right now. Oh, and and I have a TV as well. So I have six screens in this room at this moment. And when I think about that, it's natural. It's natural to have all these screens wanting my attention. And so when we're placed in a position of push notifications and so many things just stealing our attention, we want to take in information in a way that's going to be as easy as possible, that's not going to distract. And the brain fires far more, um, far more trigger points, especially when in the visual cortex, of course, which is 30% of our cerebral cortex. The brain fires far more when, when things are moving in front of us versus static. We actually increase our comprehension and understanding. And and the, the phrase path of least resistance comes from the brain science that focuses on the fact that we have all of these different neural pathways moving back and forth. And the shortest neural pathways are the fastest. It's where information gets to us the fastest. They're the ones that are formed when we're babies. Our shortest neural pathways are actually our ability to take in visual information, especially if it's visual information in movement. And so it's because of this that, you know, motion graphics are a go-to. We all crave them. They're the easiest for us to take in, um, especially when they're under 90 seconds. That's a big key. They actually can fail pretty quickly if they're over 90 seconds because we have short attention spans. Um, But you know, they're a proven art form, they're a proven methodology for marketing. And as a result, I very much believe 10, 15, 20 years from now, they're still going to be just as important as they are today. They're they're the best way to get somebody into a conversion funnel, in my opinion.
0: Awesome. So interesting. And you mentioned also augmented reality. What kind of experiments do you see there today? Do you build a up uh, virtual worlds or avatar based things or or what's your agency up to these days in the cutting edge <laughs> of visual communication well,
1: right with uh with covid we did a lot of virtual reality conference booths and conference experiences for our clients because you know they're there nobody was meeting physically i mean people still aren't meeting physically just yet um, everybody's hoping it's going to happen in the fall but as it stands um, we've been putting together these you know just really beautiful 360 degree worlds that people can jump right into and attend different conference sessions or um, you know go to go to different booths and walk through those booths so in the virtual reality side of things, that's really where a lot of the corporate marketing is going, is, is in creating experiences that can pull their audiences in from all over the world when we can't do it physically. Um, COVID also changed the adoption of augmented reality, in my opinion. Augmented reality is something that it, pre, pre-COVID, I felt like was a good five years away from adoption. And the reason for that was QR codes. In the U.S. especially, people never adopted or clicked on QR codes. It wasn't a thing. But then COVID hit, and all of a sudden, if you wanted to go to a brewery or to a restaurant and and, sit outside, you had to click a QR code to get the menu. And so suddenly, within a year, in the US especially, we've, we've adopted QR codes when, you know, they've been around for quite some time, and we have never adopted them before. Mm -hmm. And QR codes are are what's needed to trigger an augmented experience right now. We're not, we're not yet at a place where any visual can trigger that experience. So I think that we're going to have more and more people adopting augmented reality, because it's easier to trigger an augmented experience. Um, But, you know, then there's, the Ikea's of the world. I'll use Ikea as an example. They're a perfect one. I think that they, right? I think that Ikea has led the way in augmented reality for the consumer. Mm -hmm. Um, They have really commercialized it and put it in everybody's living room if you want it. Um, if, If you wanna see how a piece of Ikea furniture works in your room, all you have to do is download the Ikea app, pick the piece of furniture and put your phone screen in front of you Uh, targeting the area of the room that you want to want that piece of furniture. And immediately you'll see it appear on your phone screen. You'll be able to see exactly what that would look like in your room, walk around it, feel the actual presence of it, see how big it would be. And I think that is one of the best examples of how augmented reality can propel us and really empower us as consumers, Um, not that we need to be empowered as consumers, Um, (laughs) but you know what I mean. It can empower marketers in a lot of great ways. Um, And so I think Ikea is is one to watch because they've been at the forefront and I can see that there's gonna be even more cool things coming out from Ikea in in the uh, virtual and AR side of things. Um, Otherwise, we're also looking at AR experiences at upcoming conferences. Um, The physical conferences that are happening Clients want to ensure that their booths are COVID-friendly, so we're creating um, augmented reality touch points at their booths so that people don't have to touch touch screens and interactive interactive experiences at a booth.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. I know just a follow-up question on that. You started out as an infographic specialist. You even had that in your name for, for quite some years. How's the infographic asset working today? Is it still on the map or is it past? <laughs> you, know?
1: you know, that is a great question. Um, I would say from a demand perspective, it's probably 10 percent of what we do. Um, the right brands can really leverage an infographic, but it's, it's no longer a tool for link building. Mm. In the beginning, infographics were adopted by a lot of small companies as a link play, and they didn't care the topic. They didn't even really care about the execution. They just cared about putting an infographic out because in 2010 till about 2012, if you put the word infographic next to something, it would succeed just because it was this hot new piece of content. Mm -hmm. Um, As the expectations of audiences changed, the expectation of what makes a good infographic has changed. So, today we're still seeing about 10,000 released online every day, but 99% fail miserably. The only infographics that succeed today are the ones that stand out from the crowd, the ones that are highly illustrated, no photography, custom illustration throughout, the ones that are sharing either a process or walking through a very complex topic or sharing some very key statistics that might be important to the end audience. Those those types of infographics really succeed, or the ones that are super humorous, that people just wanna share because they're funny as all heck, Mm -hmm. those succeed really well as well. Um, But we're seeing that on social media, you can no longer put up a long scroll infographic, that's not gonna work. You gotta focus on what we call either a micro narrative which is one or two statistics at most, or a single charter graph, or a mini infographic, which is um, less than half the length of a traditional long scroll, so that it's easy for people to quickly look at in their feed without having to click and zoom and everything like that. Um, And then we're finding that infographics on landing pages are really successful, um, especially if it's a summary infographic that is, you know, can basically, trying to convince somebody to give their email to download an ebook or to download a white paper. That works really well. And then the other place infographics are really taking off and succeeding is in the physical realm. Infographics as physical handouts, infographics as posters, infographics as signs and wayfinding tools, things like that are hugely successful. Infographics in books are hugely successful. Um, Opening every single chapter of a book with an infographic that summarizes that chapter is going to um, be a, or, pardon me, is going to put you in a better situation of books, of selling more books than if that book was just filled with text. Mm-hmm. And so infographics are really starting to see their place in the physical realm versus digital. I think the long scroll approach of an infographic is actually harder to take in on a screen. And so it makes sense that they work better in digital. But those are kind of the arenas that people should leverage and use an in infographic today. They're, they're no longer the end-all be-all answer to any marketing problem like they used to be. In fact, I used to have a rule because um, I, I always have rules. People know me for my rules on visual communication. And one of them was uh, an infographic is not always the answer. And that rule really needed to be said until about 2018. And finally, around 2018, it kind of clicked with everybody. okay. An infographic is one piece of content of dozens of opportunities and we don't need to make it our end all be all.
0: Awesome, that's so interesting to hear. And uh, so in other words, we still need the infographics but maybe in other channels and other formats than, than before. So, so interesting. I should go print out an infographic now, I feel. Like. <laughs> <laughs> doing, But yeah, so interesting, Amy. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your insights and, and the rules and so on. And we could probably go on forever. This is so big and so interesting topic. But I know you have your agency to run and you're a busy speaker at conferences and probably working on your next book or so. <laughs> so actually I I have- yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> a lot of ideas coming out from you so that's <laughs> awesome but uh for for people who want to know more about your rules and topics and content where can we send them amy
1: definitely so you know to to see some of the content we produce go check out killer uh to get the book it's on amazon killer visual strategies on amazon Please, if you get the book, uh, feel free to review me afterwards. I I learned so much from it and I am on my second book right now. So those reviews help me significantly. Um, But yeah, it was actually just awarded the best marketing and sales book of 2020. So um, please check it out. And uh, yeah, let me know what you think about it. It's on Amazon, Killer Visual Strategies.
0: Wow, congratulations. That's, uh, That's a big win.
1: Thank you. Thank you
0: very much. Well, Amy, it was a pleasure talking to you. And I wish you all the best in your, uh, in your business and your career and your book writings. And I hope we hook up sometime soon and can continue this dialogue next year.
1: Thank you so much. I, I would love to continue the dialogue. It was really a pleasure being on.
0: Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.